podcast, Biblical Question. We're excited you've taken time out of your day to download this podcast and to listen to us. We certainly hope and pray that Christ would be glorified and you as our listener would be edified. For please, for more information about us, I encourage you to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase, all one word. If you have a Bible question, you can submit it there through the contact us page or a prayer request. We have a handful of people from time to time do ask for prayers, and we do post that on there. So if you're a prayer warrior, uh, please uh, be sure to go there and, and pray for those folks who have asked for those prayers. And if you're a regular listener, you know that that probably doesn't change a whole lot, but it does change from time to time. And we really ought to be praying for one another. Uh, and whether we know who we are or not, we need to be praying for the church around the world as it really struggles uh, against the, the world and, and the evil of the world. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to answer some questions that have come in through uh, our webpage, and we're excited that we're getting so many questions recently and that uh, we are so glad. So the first question is, uh, who was Lydia? Well, Lydia, there's not really a whole lot said about this lady in the New Testament. Uh, she is mentioned, I believe, two times uh, in Acts chapter 16. We find uh, her conversation there uh, with the uh, Apostle Paul. would we'll meet her on his second missionary journey. Uh, she is a seller of purple cloth. Uh, and apparently she's quite a businesswoman. So uh, I know there are some people that believe, don't believe that women had anything or any rights in the first century. And that's not always completely true. And so Lydia was a worshiper of God. Uh, in Acts 16, verse 14, says, uh, One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention what was being said by Paul. And so, you know, controversy, a lot of teaching that goes on in congregations around this country anyway and you'd be surprised i've been in foreign countries how much the american church has influenced its uh, people outside of the continental u.s some of it's good and some of it's not uh, this idea that we save people uh, that if we get them baptized they will be instantly saved and there's no fear or say a prayer once and you'll be saved and you can do what you want. Uh, that's not really uh, a true statement. Uh, this verse makes it pretty clear that God is the one that uh, opens up the heart and lets the heart hear his word. And, of course, the best way to open up your heart is through the word of God. And that's really how we get our faith. Uh, Lydia's conversation uh, up to this point, the gospel really hasn't gone much further uh, than uh, west of Asia Minor. In fact, uh, Paul and his original uh, intent was to stay in Asia, but God changes his plans. And Paul had this vision calling him uh, westward, famously called the uh, Macedonia call. And so uh, apparently... Uh, Lydia is a native of Asia Minor, but she is the first person to be recorded uh, to have accepted the gospel and be saved in Europe. 
Bible history uh, will tell us that in the church in Thyatira, you can read about that in Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. It says, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like brownish bronze. So, um, Paul does not visit this city on his missionary journeys, and we have no record of him doing that. And so we really don't know who established uh, the congregations there. And it could have been Lydia through her family or her friends. I, I don't know. The Bible uh, does not say. And so anyway, this is uh, an interesting lady. And uh, Paul will stay with her in her home. And for those men who are listening that don't think that Paul didn't have his ear bent by this woman and had lots of questions, uh, you need to think again. She she was a woman uh, who probably had some influence in her community as a businesswoman, but she also showed great hospitality uh, and brought the good news, and she would not really take no for an answer as you study her out. And so... I hope that kind of helps you. Lydia is uh, a very important person, again, because she is the first person to in Europe to be converted to the gospel. Okay, our next question comes from Mississippi. Uh, and the question is, is it okay to sell things in the church building? Well, this has been a subject of controversy among many people and uh, I, you know I know when I was uh, doing full-time pulpit work I always kind of struggled with people selling things at the church building uh, for maybe different reasons uh, and one of those would be uh, people who may not be able to afford what's being sold you know the kids always like to sell their little raffle tickets or candy bars or whatever it was and people felt kind of obligated to buy something uh, from these kids since they were in church and may not always been able to afford it. And so uh, that's kind of my struggle on, on one aspect. Uh, many people will use uh, different verses. In fact, all four gospel accounts record uh, that Jesus would uh, clear the temple or cleanse the temple, depending on your version. Uh, John chapter 2 Verses 13 through 17, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version here. It says, The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Verse 14, In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers were sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple. So, uh, and Jesus actually would do this twice, early in his ministry and toward the end of his ministry. And so, but what's what's really going on here when he says, uh, you know, this is my father's house? Uh, these these folks would be making offerings, uh, bringing uh, sheep or their lamb or whatever for their sacrifices at certain times of the year. And to be honest, I mean, not everybody was a herdsman, and so you would have to buy. Uh, your sacrifice if you were a carpenter, per se. You may not have a, a lamb or pigeons that you've raised on your own. 
And so that's, you're going to be forced to figure out how you're going to make that offering as required by the law of Moses. And so to make it convenient, these folks were selling uh, their different items at the temple. It's not that they were selling it, but how perhaps they were going about it. And if you kind of read Josephus, uh, other historians, you know, you would bring a lamb and they have to inspect it and they would find a flaw with it. They would point it out. But they would have a lamb that's already been pre-approved without a flaw or a blemish. And so they would take your lamb on trade, and uh, you still had to pay the difference. And, of course, you had to use uh, temple currency. You could not use the Roman currency. And so then you had to pay for money exchangers. And if you've ever been to a foreign country, you know there is an exchange rate. And I'm sure that's what was going on as well. Uh, again, this is not really what the temple was meant to be. It was a marketplace. And so, uh, but the next guy would come along and not have a lamb, and they would just sell the lamb that you traded type thing. And so in the end, the lamb was just fine. And so they, they were defrauding people. They were taking advantage of people. And so uh, they had lots of issues. And so that's not necessarily the case in churches or congregations uh, today, per se. Uh, I, I know some churches have crass sales and pancake sales, and maybe have their, even their own bookstores where they uh, buy books at wholesale and sell them at retail trying to help bring raise money for the church. And I think this is more of an individual uh, congregational decision. And so uh, we need to be careful that we're not selling things to be high pressure to the other members of the congregation, make them feel guilty if they don't buy uh, a book or the candy bar or whatever uh, is going to, to do this uh, as a fundraiser type idea. Uh, we should be careful not to to bring undue attention away from the reason that we're really meeting, and that reason should be for the worship of God and uh, remembering Him and His sacrifice for us and hearing a gospel message and praising God and singing songs and so on. And so I, I hope that kind of answers your question. Uh, you know, we... Uh, Again, like I said, I, I've always kind of struggled with this because it always seems there's somebody who feels really obligated, usually a poor widow lady just barely getting by um, and likes the kids and all that. So uh, I would talk to the church leadership, talk to the elders, uh, the preacher, whoever's kind of running the show, and talk to them about your concerns and see if, if you guys can't find a happy medium somewhere. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I appreciate it. And we have a lot of folks that listen in the southern part of the United States. And uh, I'm glad that you're listening. I hope you continue to listen and that you are blessed by it. Please tell your friends and family about us. And if you have a question, you can also submit it through our webpage. Okay, our, our next question is, what is the mission of the church? What is the mission of the church? Well, the mission of the church, really, the first one should be 
uh, to make disciples, to make other folks uh, ready for the return of Christ, going into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to reserve everything I have commanded you. And that would be the Great Commission. You can find that in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. A disciple is simply someone who follows uh, the teachings of, of Christ. You need to make that really clear that you are simply uh, teaching uh, the message of the gospel. You don't want people worshiping you. Uh, and I've seen that uh, time and time again. Some people just uh, think that they, uh, they're the ones that uh, are delivering the good news and they need to be idolized. And that's no. All the glory needs to go to Christ. He's the one that died for the church. He's the one that established it. His blood was shed for it. Uh, he is the leader uh, of the church. Uh, the church also should be glorifying Christ, which kind of leads where I was just trying to say here. Uh, in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses uh, 11 and 12, In him we obtain an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we were the first to hope in Christ may be praised to his glory. Again, that is what we are to be doing. We're to bring glory to Christ, to his name. He, he again, he planned the church. Uh, he has certain expectations of the church and the lifestyle that it is. And so, Another thing would be to build up the saints. Uh, you can see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, that we're to encourage one another and build one another up. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 says, Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for the restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace be with you all. So, Again, we, we are to be building up each other. And I don't know how many times I've seen over the last 25, 30 years where people really uh, get really negative at church. And they'll say, that guy sinned against me and I can't forgive him. He's never come to me and begged me for forgiveness. Well, you need to slow down a little bit, cool your jets, and understand uh the person may he may not know that he sinned. Maybe he thought he was really right all along. You have not sat down and tried to discuss it. Probably have not prayed about it. And at the end of the day, you need to realize that God is the one that forgives sins. So maybe that person did ask for forgiveness. Again, we need to build up each other and not tear each other down. Uh, we need, again, put all the focus on Christ and not ourselves. We need to have this public worship and understand that Christ is our Redeemer. He has risen from the grave. We need to teach and evangelize to all peoples all around the world who the Savior is and teaching them uh, the Bible. You know, uh, I get lots of questions at work off and on uh, about the Bible. And, you know, the more people see you and they hear you and they know your lifestyle— you will start to shine, and you're building up the church. You're you're giving all that glory to God, and that's what we need to be doing. And so, again, the mission of the church really is to make disciples. 
Uh, we are to be converting others. We don't personally convert them. I need to rephrase that. We need to point God, them to God and let God convert them. And so um, giving glory to Christ, uh, we are his chosen people, and we need to be doing that. Uh, Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So, in other words, we don't, it's not a thing that we have done personally. We are just simply testifying uh, to the word of God, and we let the Holy Spirit touch those people's lives and make those disciples. Well, I hope that answers your question. I maybe I kind of babbled on a little too much. I want to thank you for listening, uh, and I hope that you'll continue to do that. The next question is, is the devil omnipresent? Is the devil omnipresent? Well, flat out, no, he's not. Uh, he is not present everywhere at once. The only one who is that would be God. Uh, the devil is is limited to being in one place at a time, and we need to understand that we give him sometimes uh, more more power or build him up more than we really ought to be. And so he is a deceiver. We need to understand that. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 says, And a great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Uh, we need to be aware uh, the devil and his schemes. And his his whole plan is to do you and me harm. Second uh, Corinthians 2.11 says, So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Uh, Jeremiah 23.24 uh, says, Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the world. So God alone is omnipresent. He is the only one who is sovereign. Uh, and the devil might be roaming around on the earth now, but one day uh, he's going to be uh, thrown or cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil who, and who deceived them were thrown into the lake of fire, sulfur, and the beast and the false prophets and they were tormented day and night forever and ever. That's something that we need to be aware of. We don't want to be deceived. And the only way that you and I are not going to be deceived is knowing the Word of God. We need to be studying it for ourselves. I appreciate that you listen to this podcast. Uh, but I also make a really strong point. Open your Bible and follow along. And so... And that's the only way that you and I would know what the absolute truth is. And the world does not like uh, the absolute truth. Uh, they like this. There is no absolute truth. And that becomes more of a problem. And so, and that's part of the deception uh, that the devil has put out there, I think, is, is the attack on truth, of absolute truth. And so... Again, this idea that uh, he's omnipresent is false. If you read Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, it says, The devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So if he left Jesus, he's no longer present with Jesus 
and it is evident that the devil has a limited time and space, just like you and me are not omnipresent. And so uh, it's a good question. I know uh, there's something that a lot of people struggle with, and thinking that Satan is everywhere or the devil. Satan's actually a new term in the English Bible. Uh, the the one who the great deceiver uh, is an older term, and that's what exactly what he does. He deceives people. And why does he do that? Well, the main reason is because we're made in God's image, and God sent somebody, Jesus, to save us from sin and death, and. He's kind of jealous of that. He wants to be God. He wants to throw God off his throne, which will never happen. So uh, he's got to figure out ways to get even with God. And that's what he does. He does it through hurting God's people. We are created in God's image, and he does not like God's image. He wants to destroy it. So anyway, I hope that kind of answers your question uh, about is the devil omnipresent. And the answer is no. So thank you again for listening. Okay, our last question is uh, an interesting one. What is the Testament of Solomon? I really hadn't heard much about this in a long, long time, so uh, I had to do a little thinking on it and uh, went through lots of notes and things that I've studied on this years ago. The Testament of Solomon is something that was written... Uh, centuries after the birth of Christ. And uh, it's something that's written about the supernatural adventures of Solomon uh, that would be the son of King David. Uh, it, it's just, it's really, it's it's just fiction. Uh, and that's the best way I can and put it. And I believe, uh, I have some Jewish friends that they also consider this uh, fiction as well. Uh, these are very interesting kind of stories. According to one is that Testament of Solomon, a young boy was working in the temple uh, as it was being built, and he's being plagued by a demon and kind of sucking the life out of this uh, young kid. And so Solomon will pray about it, and the problem uh, is resolved by giving a, a ring to the, to the young boy from the angel uh, Michael, and this ring is shaped like the Star of David, and he puts it on, and, and somehow this ring had magic powers and could control demons and whatnot. So uh, it is not biblical in any way, shape, or form. It is actually very much fiction. And so um, I I don't know which, how much further I could really go into it. Uh, I haven't read any of it uh, in a long time. It has something to do with uh, astrology and and demon type worship, and and the Bible really warns us that we really should not be involved with any kind of astrology or demon worship, obviously, and uh, and it's just deeply tied to that. And so I've just never really completely ever read that. To be honest with you, I've read some commentaries on it. I've read some other people's writings about it. Again, uh, this Testament of Solomon is dated somewhere uh, 1,500 years or more after the life of Solomon, Solomon himself. And so uh, it, it's said that there's lots of things that are written about Solomon 
kind of like the old Wild West, you know, Bill Hillcock and all those kind of guys, uh, Wyatt Earp, and, you know, most of that is all just fiction about those guys, okay? And so uh, there's not always truth about uh, some of those historical-type heroes, uh, if you would. And uh, so I wouldn't put a lot of weight into it. Uh, honestly, I think it'd probably be a waste of time to read it, and that's why I haven't read it. Uh, if you do read it, just be uh, under the understanding that it is not inspired scripture, uh, and they simply were not accepted in any way, shape, or form by the early church fathers as being inspired. Uh, in fact, it, I don't think it was even considered to be put in the canon. Uh, and so I, I hope that kind of answers your question. Uh, again, I haven't really thought about that uh, particular writing in a long, long time. So it's interesting that you brought it up. I want to thank everybody for listening. I certainly appreciate uh, the questions. I hope you've enjoyed the answers. Again, the only real answer is Christ and His Word, and that's what we need to be doing and seeking out and having to study over. If you have any uh, Bible questions, I'd encourage you to send them to us through our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all one word, all lowercase, and... Please make sure you kind of flag that uh, as a Bible question. If you have a, a comment, we certainly entertain those comments as well. We get lots and lots of positive feedback, and we are so grateful uh, for all of that. And our listener base continues to grow each and every week. We seem to pick up more and more listeners uh, from around the world. I also want to encourage you, if you're a prayer warrior, once again, to go to the webpage for the uh, prayer request. At the bottom that, we also have a country that we are uh, posting there, usually change it once a week, uh, the country that we're wanting to pray for, the leaders of that country, for the Christians in that country, the church, to be uh, to be blessed by God and they could have their freedoms of the, to be able to worship freely. If they're being persecuted, that God would help them and take care of them. That's only He is able to really do. Again, thank you for listening. I appreciate your time. May God bless you, and may He have the glory.